All right, fam. How many peoples are set and ready for this here word? We had um, had a little bit more of extended time as far as announcements and whatnot, but we had a little bit of info that we needed to get to you. So um, we're trying belt this out right quick. But um, at the same time, I am going to take my time with it, you know. So, so I thank you. <laughs> we, um, Elder Chris and I were at a uh, men's event last night in, in Colombia. Had a, had, a, uh, had a really good time there with Icon Church, Pastors Tony and Lachey Colson in, in Colombia doing uh doing amazing things and i actually um gave them a little bit of of what it was that we've been talking about here and um as you know it, it was last week that uh we preached the the initial beloved message right sometimes i get i get a little lost on what was preached when but um so we we dove into that because Coming off of kingdom culture of faith, remember our, our last message after we've seen all the wonderful things that faith can do in a life, what faith caused, uh, how faith caused people to act, the different actions that took place because they were full of faith. Our last message out of that was understanding that now that we've seen all that, Hebrews 11, Hebrews 12, we talked about how, as for us, we've got this great cloud of witnesses. So from that, remember the Passion Translation said, let us let go of every wound that has pierced us in the sin that so easily ensnares us. And we've been, we've been really working through that and understanding that. It's interesting how the first thing that I'm told when it comes to running my race of faith is that I got to let go of something. It's not, it's not become more disciplined. It's not increasing my prayer life. It's not increasing my praise and my worship. It's not come to church more. It's let go. Let go of every wound that has pierced me. And then we, d we dove into that a little deeper and we saw that that meant arrow tips in the soul. I got I to slow down enough to examine the fact that I have been hit in my walk. Things hit me. They hurt. It's painful. But if I'm in the if I'm in the motion, see see what happens when you're in combat is your adrenaline goes up. Yeah. I hear some yeah, so somebody's been in combat, been in the fight. I've heard some of y'all stories. Some of y'all just some straight brawlers. So you're well aware that when you're in brawling mode, your adrenaline's up. And when your adrenaline's up, you can get hit and don't even know it. So you've taken a hit and just because I can't feel it doesn't mean it's not hurting me. Just because I take a hit and it has hit me and it has not caused any kind of signal to go off to where I'm feeling something doesn't mean that my body did not take a blow that is actually causing me great pain. But once the adrenaline was down and I slow down, then I see. But by then, if, if, if the space between adrenaline and no adrenaline is too great, that could be tremendous damage that has taken place in that time. But I wasn't able to slow down 
to assess what has happened. So that's that's where that's what it is that we've been walking in and walking through. And and although last week was called uh, beloved, I think that this week is is very fitting to to stay in that as well. So we're going to be at Second uh, Samuel chapter nine. So everybody can go ahead and uh, join me there. Actually, we'll have a ton of scriptures um, today. Actually, just going to look at a particular character that this um, text highlights. I think, uh, I, I would imagine that, that most folk are familiar with him. If you're not, it's okay. We're going we're gonna to look at him uh, for, for a little bit here as we dive in a little bit more on uh, the, the blessing of slowing down to examine the arrows and the hardship that not slowing down to examine the arrows can, can cause in our life. So 2 Samuel chapter 9, I'll be reading from the New King James, but let's, let's pray right quick. Father, we thank you for your presence. Thank you for your goodness. Gosh, when you, when you say you love your kids, you mean it. And you come and you tabernacle amongst your people. You said all that we needed is two or three, and we had way more than that. And you will be there in the midst. And I thank you that like a loving father, you've graced me to be able to be one, at least an earthly one. And I know in the, the, I'm, I have a myopic sense of the love that I hold for my children is the how you look at us. And so, Lord, as we are about to embark on this time in the word, embark on this journey in the bread of life, I ask God that you would feed us. In the natural, when we eat, we get filled up. But in the kingdom, when we eat of your word, it makes us more hungry. And so, God, we want to eat that which has been prepared for us by your word. And Holy Spirit, we make space. You come in and do what it is that you do best. You're the teacher. So much better of a teacher and preacher and expounder and explainer than I am. So I rest in your power and in your strength. Help me to preach it and communicate it in the way that you gave it to me and in the way that is fitting and palatable for us to be able to consume what it is that we need to consume. And I thank you that every person man woman boy and girl will walk away from this time stronger than we were when it first began including the one holding the microphone in jesus name somebody shout amen amen let's do a little bit of work thank you ryan second samuel chapter nine going to uh going to read the whole chapter because it's only 13 verses uh the uh, the verses will be up on the screen if anybody uh needs to needs to look at it so second samuel chapter 9 now david said is there still anyone who is left of the house of saul that i may show kindness for jonathan's sake has that kindness theme again show him kindness for jonathan's sake and there was a servant of the house of saul whose name was ziba so when they had called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, At your service. Then the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? 
And Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. So the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, indeed, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amaliel in Lodabar. Then King David sent and brought him out, sent and brought uh, Mephibosheth, that's his name, sent and brought him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amaliel from Lodabar. Now, when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and, and prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, here is your servant. So David said to him, do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Then he bowed himself, Mephibosheth bowed himself and said, what is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? And the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and to all his house. You therefore and all your sons and your servants shall work the land for him, and you shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table. Always. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king has commanded his servant, so your servant will do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micaiah. And all who dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants of Mephibosheth. Last verse. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table. And he was lame in both his feet. Lame in both his feet. Now, just to give a little quick history, Mephibosheth is the son of Jonathan, the grandson of Saul. Saul was the first king that Israel ever had. God never intended Israel to have a king because God actually wanted to be their king himself. But because they were surrounded by all these different nations that wanted kings, I mean, that had kings, they wanted kings because they wanted to be like those other nations. God says through the prophet Samuel, okay, since you want a king, I'll give you one. So he gives them Saul, who was the first king, and then we know of the second king, who is David, who's in this, who's, uh, in this account here. David now has lived long enough to where he has outlasted both Saul and Jonathan, who was Saul's son. So David now has come to this space where he's saying that because of the heart that I hold toward God and the heart of honor that I hold, I need to find out if there's anybody else that's left of the lineage of Saul that I can show 
some sense of kindness to. And then he finds out that there is somebody, there's someone named Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth is down in a place called Lodabar. He's made his way from, from being in the place of the kingdom to where he has now outskirted himself in this place called Lodabar. Lodabar is a very interesting place, and it has a very interesting meaning to its name. It means the place of no communication. The place of no communication. And in reference to what it is that we are talking with and talking about in, in getting our souls cleansed of these arrows, it's very important to know that it is extremely dangerous in the midst of the operation of arrow removal to be in a place of no communication. It's dangerous. It's dangerous for me to... Uh, try to assess what's going on with me, why I respond to situations like I respond, why I feel like I feel to different things that have happened to me and that's going on and try and process that by myself. God never intended for me to do that. So Mephibosheth is making, has made his way into this place of no communication. And we, and we have to assume and know that it is because of his condition that he has felt like the only place that he can go is a place to where he cannot communicate to anybody. I can't communicate with anybody. I can't get close to someone because of what is wrong with me. And what is wrong with me, I feel is going to cause them to not like me, not accept me. So I'm going to go ahead and project before I even ask anybody. I'm going to project that they don't want me. They don't want anything to do with me. So because they don't want anything to do with me, based off of what it is that has happened to me, I'm going to excommunicate myself. And how many of us with the arrows and things that have hit us in our hearts and in our souls and the different things and happenings that have happened to our life, we make a judgment and assess everyone else based off of that without even asking anybody. Never even ask anyone if they feel that way. I assume that I need to be in a place of no communication. But when I'm in a place of no communication, there is no life that is able to be given to me. Jesus said himself, my word is spirit and it is life. There's a life aspect to it. But if there's no sense of conversation and communication that's able to go on, I have no way for life to be able to get to me. And if life cannot make its way to me, then I am only stuck in, in the judgment and stuck in the thought process that keeps me just looking at my lame feet. It keeps my whole perspective and keeps my whole thought process only on the lameness that I hold as if there is nothing else that is able to be uh, gotten out of myself. So he's found in, the place, found in Lodabar, which is a place of no communication. So a condition that has pushed him into a place where all forms of communication have been cut off and there's no life flow. Now, he may have gotten himself there. But I love how we read that it was David that went to look for him. David went and found him. Because David finds the servant and says, I need you to find the last person of Saul's household is make sure that there is someone. And if there is someone, I, I need to meet them. I need to be around them. Ziba tells him, we got one. He's in that place of Lodabar. And I'm not sure what verse it is where he, got, where he sends to get him. 
I think it's verse 5. Then he, yes, verse 5. Then King David sent and brought him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. So David sends Zyra to retrieve him, picking him up from that place of no communication and carrying him to the palace, to the place where he had, his, where he had the birthright to possess. He's, he's, he's picking him up out of the place of excommunication because he's, he's lame in his feet so he can't walk back. So Ziba has to go find him, pick him up, and carry him back to the place where birthright, where, where by birthright he had a right to be there. He has a right to be there. And think about how many times how many ways has God in my mess, arrow, soul full of arrows, came and found me? Because I, I didn't choose God. God chose me. So in being chosen, when I was an enemy of the cross, an enemy and not thinking about the cross, comes, finds me. Stands over me in that, in that condition. Stands over me in that sin-sick condition. Picks me up. And carries me. I did not walk my way there. I did not walk and find my way there through my goodness, through my good works, through my right thoughts, and through, every, through getting everything right. I'm picked up and I'm carried back in this place. To where by birthright through faith. I have been given a right to be there. And Mephibosheth is brought out of this place of no communication. He is picked up. He is carried back to the palace and he's brought there. But it's interesting the posture that he takes once he gets to the place that is rightfully his to be. Because we're going to see later that there's a restoration of everything that was of the house of Saul that is given back to him. So he's coming from this place of no communication, cut off from uh, any sense of communication, any sense of conversation, any sense of life vitality. He's cut off from that, brought into the place of the palace, yet he still takes the posture of laying on the floor. Still takes the posture of laying on the floor. So he, we know why you would lay on the floor in the place of excommunication. We know why you would lay on the floor in the place of no communication and no talking with you because there, there is a sense of depression. There's a sense of weariness that, that, is, that is in that space and in that place. So that would make anyone lay on the floor. But now that all of that has been shifted and all of that has been changed and all of that has been moved and everything as far as the outer surroundings has changed, why is it that but you still feel that it's fitting for you to lay on the floor. Still laying on the floor. David addresses him. Mephibosheth, he answers, he's your servant. David goes into telling him, this is what I'm about to do. For the sake of your father, for the sake of your father's name, for the weight that your father holds with me. Can I tell you that you serve a father who holds weight? Amen. Help me. Can I tell you that your father has weight to his name? Yes. 
Can I tell you that when the, the, the name of your father is put within the atmosphere, there are things that have to shift and have to move. Can I tell you that because of the father that you hold and because of the family that you belong to, all you have to do is bet out the name and we've been told that in that name there is a great power. In that name there is a great strength. In that name there is a flow that's able to come to our life. That at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And that at that name in the name above heaven, below heaven, in the earth, and anywhere in between, there will be a confession of the name and a knee bowing to that name. And the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and those that run into it are able to find a sense of safety and protection. And you might not want to mess with me too much, because if I call the name of my Father, things go move and shift in this place. Strengthen the name strength in the name because of your father's name here's what I'm about to do I'm going to restore everything that was ever of your grandfather's household I'm going to give that all back to you and continually I have a seat at my table my God my table a space that's been called and set out just for you. And I want you every time the dinner bell rings, I want you seated, I want that napkin tucked in, and I want you eating with me. He said, I, he said that you're going to be at my table continually. You're going to be at my table continually. You are going to be at this table with me continually. So with all of this that is happening, we see him go into a new scenery. We see him have his financial status change. We know in, in, in biblical times and how things worked as far as the royalty uh, apparel, he got his clothes changed. He wasn't, he wasn't allowed to wear that dirt muck stuff anymore. He had all of that change, so he's got a sense of the clothing. He's eating at the table of the king, but yet for some reason is still finding comfort on the floor. Still finding comfort. Has, has all of this available to him, all of this open to him, but still finds some sense of comfort on the floor. Because along the way, it was, it was easy, it's easy to see that it was very easy to pull, uh, pull Mephibosheth out of his situation. But it was more difficult to get the situation out of Mephibosheth. And in life, it can be very easy to change an outer circumstance of what's happening to me. But the problem is, when I go through whatever it is I have gone through, if I'm not, if I'm not paying attention, I don't realize that there are arrows that have made their way into me, and that is a representation of the fact that the water got in me. The arrow got in me. So it's very easy to pull Mephibosheth out of the battlefield if the arrow is trying to hit his soul. But the problem is, uh, arrows actually got through. And now we got to do the work of getting the arrow out of Mephibosheth. And this is the journey that we are on. 
in this time where we must take the time to allow the Holy Spirit to address these arrows, pinpoint these arrows, and get us in a safe place to where there is an extraction process, Andre, that can start to take place to get these one by one out of me so that I don't move from a place of no communication to lavish blessing, but I can't take advantage of it because I still find a sense of comfort of laying on the floor. I still allow the pain of the arrow to make me make a cut on the floor in a place God has called me to stand strong in. That is the danger of having those arrows stay in me too long. So we see that it was a much, much more difficult process of getting what happened to Mephibosheth out of him. And we see, we see this also with the children of Israel when they come out of Egypt. It's, it's, there's a saying that's been coined with that. It was easy to get uh, Israel out of Egypt, but much more difficult to get Egypt out of Israel. Forty years wandering around the same thing based off of what it was that they thought about themselves and the arrows that after 400 plus years of, of tyranny and 400 plus years of slavery what that was that they can do to someone when you go through something traumatic or something hard or in the presence of something like that you need not just keep moving and keep flying down the highway and keep going no matter what your age is the oldest to the youngest every night and then we have got to stop and assess and see how is my soul? How's my soul doing? When God comes to mind, what do I think about? What's my thought process about God? Because if I feel like he owes me, and I feel like he ain't kept his part. And I feel like he ain't did what he said, what he's going to do. That is a sure sign that an arrow is in your soul and you have got to stop to have that assessed. We got to stop and have that assessed. So, so, we see, so we're seeing that because what happens to us arrows, the, these arrows, when they, when they hit us, what is happening is they imprint a message on us. Science will actually say that, that, that it actually imprints on your nervous system. And that's, that's how you can have uh, emo emotional, uh, unaddressed emotions can mess with you physically. That's how you can, when, when we have unaddressed emotions and someone harbors anger and rage and unforgiveness, that can manifest itself in sickness. Why? Because when an arrow hits my soul and I don't deal with it, it imprints messages. It imprints messages on me. It imprints messages on my mind. If something traumatic happens to me, if I'm taken advantage of at a young age or whatever it is that might have happened, when that happens, there is a message and a limiting belief that I accept about myself. Case in point, if something happened with you where you were taken advantage of in, 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 a, in, a, in a, a sexual sense, in something that was completely unfair, unjust, should have never happened, and you trusted that person and they took advantage, that can send to you the message and the imprint that I am dirty. I am unwanted. I am not worth the time based off of something that you did not ask for. Arrows. Yeah. 
when and when arrows hit this is why they must must be addressed because if I do not address it I will continue to keep that same thought pattern about me about myself which will which will then put me in a place to where I'm in the, I'm in the place of blessing in the favor of God in the place where everything is actually shifted around me but I can't see past my arrow and I keep laying on the floor I keep laying I keep laying on the floor so so he's he's on the floor in Lodabar and then he's on the floor in in the palace because of his soul's view within he's lame in the feet but the even greater tragedy is the lameness of his soul robbing him of progressing in destiny past his happenings and that in and of itself is enough for us to pause and look at how many of us are incarcerated not because of what's going on around but the conclusions that I have come to based off of what's happening in me. Amen. The conclusions that I think are happening. Think are going on. The thinking power causing an incarceration to rest on me. Emotional baggage from all the happenings. Emotional triggers from the wounds create the feelings and belief systems that become attached those wounds and we see this happening when he addresses himself no one addressed him like this except him why would you look at a dead dog as I well why would you look at a dead dog as I why would you look at me as anything more than this because my situation and and the lameness of what's going on with me and my condition has sentenced me to the place to where there's nothing more for me to expect nothing more for me to get nothing more for me to receive this is my lot in life and a lot of times at this point in biblical history anytime you had something that was going on with you that caused you to be outside of the realm of normal was looked at because God was displeased with you. God, God don't like you. That's something that you did wrong. That's something that somebody in your family jacked up on and messed up on. So because you got this, there must be something wrong with you. So when you get that enough going to you in the place of no communication, now I got all this baggage that I got to deal with. And although things might have changed for me on the outside, if I don't take the time to look at the errors and the things that have pushed me in my heart, nothing will change. Except you got a new car. Except you got a new house. Except you got a, a, a raise on your job. Congratulations. But still find yourself with no resources. Still find yourself with none. Why? Because of what's happening in me. And how I see me. Mephibosheth had a lot to happen. First off, the lameness of the feet. Imagine being one wondering how I even get like this. Why I got to be like this. Everybody else 
It's going well. Well, well, my family had to break up. Well, well, my grandfather had to be so crazy like that and disobey God and cause the kingdom to be ripped from us. Well, my dad had to go to prison. Well, my mama had to be strung out. Well, well, I had to go in and out of foster care. Why can't I hold down, John? Why, why do I feel like they don't love? Yeah, and all of these whys, in every aspect of a why, there is an enemy that is standing back. Arrow drawn. And bit by bit. Arrows pelting me in the soul. And Mephibosheth has been hit by a lot. Been hit by a lot. Now, to answer the question as far as how he got lame, there was a raid that happened in the kingdom when he was five years old. That's when he lost, that's when he lost both his granddad and his dad. He was five years old. And when the raid came and the enemy took over Israel, the nurse who, who was responsible for him picks him up and flees. But in the midst of the rush, she dropped him. And when she dropped him, he hit in a way to where he never recovered again. He never recovered. And so the thought process of that, somebody that I trusted, someone that was trusted to care for me and oversee my soul and oversee me in a time of vulnerability to one that I could make a choice as to who that was, that choice was made for me and the one that was chose for me dropped me. Drop me and put me in a condition that I have never been able to recover from again. And because I have not been able to recover, I have now adopted this thought process about me that has now been changed. Because David has now come into the scene and said, you're not going to stay in this place of no communication any longer. You're going to get up, and I'm going to help you do it because I'm going to send somebody after you. And you're going to come, and you're going to be a part of my house. But even in the midst of that changing, there's still the evidence that I was dropped. That I was dropped. And how many of us Hold arrows that we still refuse to examine because of being dropped by somebody that we trusted. You were dropped. It hurt. It's painful. And it's okay to acknowledge that. 
but it is not okay to hold on to that as your reasoning for staying in that place. I cannot hold on to that. I cannot hold on to that and allow that to be the end all. When I serve a God who will send the aid and the help that's needed to pull me up in the midst of my lameness. Pull me up in the midst of the pain. Pull me up in the midst of the desperation, in the midst of the depression, in the midst of I can't even think. The next thought that I need to think will send me help to pull me up and move me into the next place. But I have got to make sure that I do my part to at least open up the Superman cape and say, I've been hit. Holy Ghost, I need the help. I've been hit. I've been dropped. I've been made lame. I didn't ask for it. I didn't, I didn't even know what was going on. I took a hit. But in the midst of that, God has sent the help that's needed. Because we see David told him four times. Verse 7, verse 10, verse 11, verse 13. Ryan, uh, you, can, you can play with me, man. I'm, I'm wrapping up. Verse 7, verse 10, verse 11, verse 13. He told him four times, you are going to eat continually at my table. Four times. You're going to eat at my table. You're going to eat at my table. I, I, know, I know what happened. I know where you were, but you're going to eat at my table. I know it hurt. I know it was painful. I know it wasn't right, but you're going to eat at my table. There, there's a space for you, Mephibosheth. And I don't need you looking underneath the tablecloth at the lameness of what you feel like you missed out on and that you don't have and that you're not good enough about. I don't need you looking at that. Because even with that present, there's still a space for you at this table. There's a space for you. With the arrows that you've taken, there's a space for you. With the hardships that have happened and going on, there's a space I want you right here. And every time we eat, I want you right here. And you go stay right here to what's going on in you matches where you are. And I want to tell some of us that God has pulled us into a place and into a space to where there is great and tremendous blessing that is around us, but we don't hold the same view of ourselves internally. I still feel like God's not proud of me. Disappointed. Come with me on some days, but this day he's not. That is not the view of our Father. Every time it's time to eat, I want you right here. And it's interesting that he said you're going to eat with me. Because we know that his word is the bread. 
and the Father's calling us to eat of this bread. Eat the bread. Eat the bread of the word to feast and digest on how he views you. I got to eat it because that's the only way that what's going on in, in me internally is going to begin to shape and shift to match what he has said about me. Mephibosheth was moved from that place of no communication into the palace. Had everything restored back to him. Everything has shifted forever. Mephibosheth has a son. Son ain't gonna have to work. And every other generation that comes out of them taken care of. Yet for some reason we still find him on the floor. We still find him uh, 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 perceiving himself as a dead dog. Perceiving himself in that unworthy state. Perceiving himself based off of the happenings that he was responsible for and was not. And I want to let us know that in this time, in this season, God has given us a space and a season to address these arrows that cause us to view ourselves, view God, view each other in the way that we do. If there's something that's happening in my thought process about me that is not consistent with what God has said, I got to find that arrow. I got to find that arrow as to what happened that made me think like that. You know, where I would dare say the majority, if not all of us, somewhere along the line, somewhere, you were rejected. You were rejected. You opened up for acceptance. You opened up to be embraced, brought in, protected. And in that moment, you got dropped. But see, if we don't do the work to let Holy Spirit Get that. Pull that out. Bring the bomb. Then next year is going to look like this year. And then 2021 will look the same. And we'll have these, these, these surface level moments to where we get happy and celebrate. But then there'll, nothing, there'll, there'll be nothing that really has shifted 
in me. I've been told that any man that's in Christ is a new creature. That means this creature has never been seen. There's no point of reference for the who that Christ has called for me to be when I get in him. That's not just a, most of the time. That's not just an altar experience. That's not just coming to the altar and praying a prayer and walking away and you good. What it is is the Holy Spirit doing a work causing me to peel back the layers and the arrows and find things in me that I didn't even know was there or the things that are in me that I'm too afraid to face. That in this space, we are building this to be that safe place. We talked about it yesterday at the empowerment session. We're building this to be that place, that safe place to where there is nothing that has happened. Nothing as, as dreadful, as afraid of it you might be, as low as you might think it makes you what? Ever. It needs to be addressed because it is an arrow that's keeping you away from your destiny. It has to be addressed. So that might mean time up here at the end of service, laying before the Lord. It's definitely going to mean a change in our Monday through Saturday schedule. You have to make time for Holy Spirit to speak with you. It is not just going to happen one time a week here. That is way too much pressure and unfair pressure on Pastor Ashley and I. We cannot do that for you. I didn't die for you. I didn't do that. I'm not the producer of the blood. I need that blood. Let's get it straight. I need that. I'm the mouthpiece that reminds us all that we need that. And I'm right in the number with it. That's why I always say, let everybody be changed, including the one holding the microphone. I want to be shifted too. So that we together can walk out the fullness of who God has called us to be. But I can't do that with a soul full of arrows. So, I know it's a little later than usual, but Ryan, a um, few moments, a few moments, just, just, just bring that heavenly sound in. And honestly, I think some of y'all, if you don't journal, you need to. You need to go get you one of them 50 cent notebooks that we have some okay we ha actually have some strong city ones Pastor Ash is going to go get some if you don't have a journal you need to have one so don't leave without one and you need to write you need to write what has happened what's going on why, why, why are you so fearful why are you so non-trusting of people? Why are you so surface level? Why do you feel like everybody's out to get you? Why do you feel like you're never going to be enough? Why do you feel like you're always going to be incarcerated to that addiction or to this lot in life? Why? Why? You ever ask yourself why? Why? in the midst of this like right now this, this is my personal time so I'm not I'm not just telling you something I'm in the midst of this 
And I'm discovering that that actually spaces of rejection, Pastor Anthony, in my heart from my father. Didn't even know it. But my daddy not being there when I needed him to be. And how, you know, you, you grow up and you, and you keep going. You keep moving. But I did not know that there was an assassin at that time. That when I hung up the phone with my dad, all smiles and anticipation and nightfall came and he didn't make it. Maybe I'm not worth the time. Nah, ain't no big deal. It's, it's okay. Arrow. I'm good, man. I'm good and straight. I'm all right. It, it is what it is. Arrow. No, no, no. It's, it's okay. Life, life happens. We just, we just pick it up and keep moving. I admire the strength, but can I ask you something? Do you really mean that? Or did an arrow get to me? Did an arrow get to me? See, the only one that needs a physician is a sick person. The only one that needs the strength and the expertise of the operator is one who needs to be operated on. And when I have access to him, gosh, I just feel the ministry of the Lord happening right now. When I have access to him, I need not act like I don't need the serum. afford to act like that when I got the operator present he in the room and I'm going to say it's alright oh that's the time to say look I got some I got some things I took, I took some blows I took some hits I can't even process all the blows and hits that I took some of them I can some of them I can't but either, one, either way, both of them represent something that hit and both of them represent something that caused an injury. And Holy Spirit being as brilliant as he is will address them both. He'll address them both. And so Father, I thank you for your word that has come forth. I thank you for your presence. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your goodness, Lord. And in this time, in this space, I'm going to dismiss us. But if you feel that you need to take a few more moments, we ask that, that we just keep that we just keep the sound going in this time, and that we just keep keep the atmosphere of worship, so that that scalpel of the word and that scalpel that's in the hand of the Holy Ghost can come through and can bring about the true healing that we need in Jesus name so if if you if you have to go you you dismiss you you what you're welcome to go but everyone else I would just ask that you maintain the posture of worship and we also have 
uh, up front these journals so anyone that that needs one feel free to come grab you one and go ahead and have that process get started tonight as far as allowing the Lord to do that work hallelujah